I may be dating myself, but um, oh, probably back in the 80s, um, there, was, there were commercials on, and man, I hesitate to even use this illustration because they were, they were uh, beer commercials, but uh, it probably shouldn't be using that in church, but there we go, and now it's all over the internet, and there we go. Sorry. Hi. Um, these commercials, maybe you remember them, maybe you don't. Uh, there's uh, featured some rough and tumble guys who went out into nature doing stuff, right? They went out fishing or they went out trapping or they went out hunting or uh, lumberjack, whatever they were doing out in, in nature. And uh, they were, I don't know, I think one of them, they were lobstering. And then they, you know, they, anyway, they, they, they do all their manly man stuff. And then they gather at the end of the day and there's usually a fire burning and, and they're gathering around and they're eating, eating whatever they're eating and then somebody pulls out the big metal tub full of ice and full of old Milwaukee beer right and they'd jump it blunk it down and then they'd all grab one and at some point somebody would raise a glass and these these this group of sweaty uh dirty matted hair tired guys raised their beer cans to each other and one of them proclaimed boy it just doesn't get any better than this anybody remember that no yeah okay um I I remember even, at, so if it was, I think it was 80, so I was a child, uh, pre-teen probably at the time, and I can remember, I can remember when they said, boy, it just doesn't get any better than this. I remember thinking, boy, I hope it does. I, I hope life is, <laughs> life is better, this life that's, that's out before me. I hope that life has more in store than hard work, sweaty friends, and a cold one, right? I mean, I, I just hope. I hope that there's, and, and I don't know, as I think about our spiritual life, I don't, maybe, you've, maybe you've thought about, maybe you've, you've been in the place where you're going, man, my spiritual life, boy, it just doesn't get any better than this. I think for a lot of us, it sounds a little bit more like, man, is this as good as it gets? Uh, as we had a teenager, our first youth group. Uh, while I was in seminary, we uh, we were part time at a church, and and. Um and I remember one of the one of the teens came up, uh, expressed interest in being baptized, and I talked to her a little bit, and I I said, uh, well, tell me a little bit a, about that, and she said, well, I was I was baptized in such and such a church, but but it didn't take, <laughs> and uh, and knowing her and have wa- having watched her for the the year or so before, I was kind of in agreement. I didn't think it had probably taken, but. Um, <laughs> Maybe you've had that thought before in your own spiritual life that it seems like some days it, it just didn't take. Uh, that, that maybe you find yourself feeling uh, guilty for not living up to the things you, you think you should or maybe you've convinced yourself that this is as good as it gets and it's just not possible to, to, to really live a, a holy life for God. And as we said, today is, is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day we commemorate when God gave the Holy Spirit uh, to live with his people, to inhabit his church. And it's through the Holy Spirit that we can be empowered to truly live an abundant life that, that God wants us to live. It is possible to do that, but only through the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been around church at all for, for very, very much, uh, you, uh, you probably have heard of the Holy Spirit. If you've been around for a long time, you probably know him as the Holy Ghost, which sounds a little spookier, I think, but, uh, but still the same guy, uh, just, just uh, maybe old-timey language. Uh, this, this past winter or 
the last time we were together, <laughs> we were in the middle of uh, uh, the This I Believe series where we, uh, where we talked a little bit about God, right? One of those was all about God and, and who God is and the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of people, probably even outside the church, there are a lot of people that would say, okay, I believe in God. I believe in a higher power. They probably wouldn't, uh, wouldn't say, okay, uh, Jesus, Holy Spirit, but at least God or, or what we know as God the Father, uh, they, they would probably say, okay, uh, I, I at least know what you're talking about. And a lot of people also identify with or at least know about Jesus. Uh, we've got baby Jesus and, and Christmas and all of that, and, uh, and even uh, resurrected Jesus and Easter and, and all of that, and Jesus as a person, and they've seen pictures. And so it's a little, you know, it's easier to, 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 uh, to think about and to identify with Jesus. But people get a little fuzzy when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He, he seems to be a bit of a mystery. It might even seem a little, I don't know, out there, right? A little bit. And, and so, uh, yet the, we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is a, is a vital part of our success as Christians, as followers of God. Uh, it, it, we have to uh, recognize the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives in order to live an abundant life with God. We cannot do it without him. And so uh, right up front, and these are probably things that, that may be reviewed, but there's a couple of things that we need to make sure that we're holding on to and we think about and talk about the Holy Spirit. So this, uh, the, the first thing is that the Holy Spirit is fully God. We always say that, uh, that he's the third person of the Trinity, and I hope that you don't think, well, okay, uh, it's like a hierarchy, and he's like the least important of the Trinity. That's, that's not what the, when, when we say three persons and he's the third, it doesn't mean that he's less than in any way. The Holy Spirit is uh, just as God, as, each, as God or Jesus. Uh, it's not that he got the bronze medal and barely slid in onto the platform, right? Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the others. We need to know that. We also need to know that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. The Holy Spirit is not the force. Sorry, Star Wars people. Um, that's not Bible, that's just movies. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not just good energy in the room or I have a good feeling about this or, you know, something made me go and so then we say that that was, it's not just the good vibes that are around. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. And, and those things are important because since the Holy Spirit is God and since he is a person, then we need to recognize that he is relational. Our God is not an it, a power, a force, or good vibes. He is a personal God who wants a relationship with us. And that changes everything. It's not just this God out there somewhere, and it's not just this force that we might tap into. This is a personal relationship. We see that uh, when we read the Gospels, and we see how Jesus had a personal relationship, with, especially with his disciples. And, and I think that's probably why the disciples had such a hard time when Jesus told them that he was leaving. Right before his betrayal and crucifixion, uh, Jesus had a heart-to-heart -heart with the disciples. It was in the upper room. Um, again, we didn't get to celebrate any of this together. Uh, I guess we did online, right? We were together. And, um, and so we... we, we uh, the, the disciples gathered together in that upper room and, and Jesus was talking to them and praying with them and, and had the, the conversation is found in John chapters 14, 15, 16, 17. A great, great section of the gospel of John. Uh, he tells them that he's leaving and he also describes the Holy Spirit through that conversation. And, and he told them, uh, in a sense, well, actually he just came right out and said, it's going to be better for you if I leave. 
he said. It's going to be better for, it's not just, okay, uh, I'm leaving, uh, hope you do okay. He said, it's gonna be better for you if I, John 16, seven puts it like this. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So as the disciples are grieving, losing Jesus, he tells them that it's for their good that he's leaving. And that's because the Holy Spirit, the advocate, is coming. And why would that be better? Well, we see it uh, in the same conversation. It's actually listed in in John uh, 14, where Jesus describes how it might be better. And he says in John 14, 16, and 17, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus had, had been with his, his disciples for several years. They hung out. They, he taught them. Uh, they uh, they you know, shared meals together. They were on the road together. They, they were closer than brothers. But, but there were times when they weren't together, when Jesus was, was not physically with, just like with any, rela- any person, any relationship, uh, Jesus was confined to a specific place and a specific time. But, but, but here, a, a, after he uh, heads back to heaven, he's promising that he's going to send the Holy Spirit will not, who will not just be with them, but who will be in them. As Jim Cimbala once wrote, through his physical body, Jesus could be a mentor, a teacher, a preacher, a friend, and friend to the disciples, but he couldn't produce change from the inside out. This would be for the spirit to accomplish, just as God had planned all eternity. Pastor and author J.D. Greer puts it this way, the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. I kind of have jealousy a little bit. Some of those guys can, can turn those phrases like that. And, you know, anyway. J.D. Greer, good for you. It helps us. The spirit inside you is better than Jesus Beside. It's better. The Holy Spirit is, is not limited to time and space. So if, if God is within us in spirit form, then it's better than God beside us in physical form. As great as it was for the disciples uh, when Jesus was here, it's even better now. I've, I've had conversations where people say sometimes, boy, it would have just been awesome to, to walk side by side with Jesus and, and talk. And, 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 and it would have been. And that would have been amazing. But Jesus says it's even better for us now than it was for them then because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. One huge way that it's better is that this Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, gives us life from the inside out. The Holy Spirit is the source of true, abundant spiritual life. Just a few verses, uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five. the scripture tells us, the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last man, the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Second Corinthians 3, 6, he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. John 6, 30, uh, 63, the, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Romans 8, 10, and 11, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his, his spirit who lives in you. True, abundant, eternal life comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's how God enables us to live in relationship with him and to overcome sin and temptation. Uh, this, this life with the Spirit really is better than trying to follow God on our own strength, just trying hard enough to try to do the right things. The Spirit empowers us to truly live from the inside out. And so uh, over the next few weeks, we're gonna study more about the Holy Spirit, but, but uh, you need to know right off the bat, first and foremost, when we have the Holy Spirit within us, he gives us life. You, you need to know that the Holy Spirit is at work at, at all the time. Even before we come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit is working, not within us, but around us. He's the one who convicts us of sin in order to draw us to repentance. John 16, 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Uh, and once he brings conviction, it's only the Holy Spirit that brings salvation. John 3, 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And when we come to the place of repentance, then, then God forgives us of our, of our sin. The Holy Spirit draws us to that. And then uh, all followers of Jesus, it says, receive the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Luke eleven thirteen. if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Uh, Acts two thirty eight. each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, all followers of Jesus Christ, all Christians have been given the Holy Spirit. Uh, scripture uses the terminology that, that, that we become temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 2.5, you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Now the temple, we maybe don't have as much of a uh, uh, appreciation for that language as the Hebrew people would have, but the temple was the center of all things spiritual. The temple is where Christ dwelt in the holy of holies, uh, where, where, where God's presence inhabited. The, the Greek term when it uses the word temple here is not just talking about the, 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 the whole building, like, oh yeah, I see up on the hill, there's the temple. That's a different word. In, in Greek, it's naos, and it refers to that inner sanctum of the temple, the holy of holies, the place where God's presence was. It says, you are the temple, the holy place where God chooses to live through his spirit. So if you have repented of your sins, if you have accepted God's grace and his forgiveness, uh, if you have... Uh, we say it invited Jesus into your heart. If, if, you have, uh, if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit living within you. That's fact. That's scripture. That's what happens. That's how it happens. As A.W. Tozer once wrote, the Holy Spirit is not a luxury. No, he is for every child of God a vital necessity. Okay, a lot of scripture, a lot of stuff, a lot of Theology, right? Well, we're in church. You should kind of expect that. But anyway, uh, there's a lot of stuff, right? Um, so we're, we're there. 
So if that's true, if all, all, we all have, the Holy Spirit is a life-giving spirit, uh, we, he's working and drawing us to salvation, he saves us, when he saves us, he inhabits us, or we are given the Holy Spirit. Uh, so all that is true, it's a vital necessity. So I have a question, if all that is true. If all followers of Jesus have his spirit, why don't we see more abundant living? I, I mean, I'm just, just, just throwing it out, just wondering. Why are so many people settling for, guess it doesn't get any better than this, without following without much power? Why, why do we? In John 7, Jesus addressed the crowds and he described uh, the, the Holy Spirit like a, like a river. Uh, he says it this way, well, it, it describes it in John 7. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Again, Pastor Jim Simbola, he's a pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in, in New York, and, and, and about this passage, he, he writes these words, everything about the Spirit speaks to, of powerful currents of life that refresh us and flow out to bless others. Yet so many of us live with faint trickles and shallow pools of the Spirit rather than the promised rivers of living water. So I guess to phrase my question a little bit differently, why do we settle for trickles and pools of the Holy Spirit. And I think the answer is lies somewhere in what the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5:18 actually gives the command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's along the same lines as a lot of the other commands in Scripture, to do this. So it, it obviously looks like it's something that we need to do, but in light of the fact and, uh, of, of that, as we've seen, everyone uh, receives the Holy Spirit when they're saved and they start following Jesus. We already have the Spirit, so how can we, uh, we already have, and, and you've got to be filled. And I mean, it seems like, I mean, there's some confusion. I mean, do we just, do we get more of him? We just got a little bit, we got saved, we get a little little seed of the Holy Spirit, is that it? And then we... Not no, that's that's not it. We we get all of the Holy Spirit when we are saved, but we have to come to the place where we consciously give Him all of us. Maybe it helps to to look at it in a different term. When Scripture talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, it means that we're going to now allow Him to control us. Our our part, our part, the thing that we do when when we're filled with the Spirit is to surrender control of our lives to God. I heard the story of a, a missionary couple who, who went to the Middle East uh, to serve and, and they moved into a modest home in town and, and, um, and kind of you know, started setting up shop and, and reaching out in the community and all things and they got their, their house in order and they noticed uh, just, uh, uh, just a little bit after they moved in that a, that a dove had come and, and made its nest right over their front door. And uh, they thought that was kind of cool. Uh, it almost seemed like a, a spiritual thing, kind of a confirmation that we're in the right place. Because in, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is, is described as a dove several different places. And, and so they, you know, they just thought that was cool. And the dove is there, and they'd hear it cooing at different times. It's just, just, just cool, you know, nature. And, and, and so they were just, they just saw it as this extra little gift from God. But, but they noticed that something began to happen. Sometimes as they would come and go, they would just kind of breeze in and, and let the door slam behind them. And when that happened, the dove would fly away. And stay away for a little while and, 
and then come back. And they noticed at other times, uh, if, if things got a little, I don't know, if they had a discussion in their marriage, that uh, maybe they, they started getting a little tense with, even missionaries sometimes, that might happen, you know? And so they would, they would as their voices would rise, they would notice that the, that the dove would fly away and, and, uh, and take a little while before they come back. And, and, and the next time any kind of craziness or whatever was, was going on around the, around the house, that, that dove would take off again. And, and after noticing that for several weeks, the, the, the husband uh, talked to his wife and he said, do you notice that the dove flies off when the, when the door slams or when we raise our voices? And, and his wife said, yeah, I've noticed that too. I'm concerned, she said, I'm concerned that one of these times that dove is gonna fly off and never return. And the husband said, well, then I suppose if we want the dove to stick around, we need to adjust our lives to her because I don't think she is going to adjust to ours. The Holy Spirit is not going to adjust his life to yours. We have to, and when the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's this adjustment of our lives to his control. We let him into every part of our life and guide and direct us. And, and we allow him to lead us. It's a conscious decision to surrender your life to his leading. As soon as I say the word control, people probably balk at that a little bit. I don't, I don't want to be controlled by anything. We, we've got our rights and we want to hold on to our opinions and, and we want to do, do what feels good and, and uh, it takes Humility and submission to surrender to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives and to let him guide us, to let him help us to know when to speak up and when to shut up and uh, what to do and where to go and what to say and how to say it and, and who to build relationships with and, and, and how to fill our time while we're here on this. It, it takes the Holy Spirit in our lives. When he convicts us, we repent and when he guides us, we follow and when he nudges us to say something or do something or to go somewhere, we do it because we're allowing him to control us. When we surrender to the spirit of God in our lives, that is when we experience the abundant life that God wants for us. So if, if you've committed your life to following God, you already have the Holy Spirit living in you, but, but are you surrendered to him? It's, a, it's an absolute trust. Uh, you'll obey whatever he says. You'll, you'll follow wherever he leads. When you hear his whisper, you agree, yes. And that's what gives amazing, abundant life. Just recently, we were gathered with, uh, with family and, and um, my sister-in-law was, was, was remembering aspects of life growing up on their farm in Southern Ohio. Uh, there are a lot of fond memories, and we've heard stories for years. One that struck me that I hadn't heard before uh, was, was when she described, the, uh, so it's Rebecca's sister, Beth, and, and Beth is describing that the girls would get to the top of the hill on their bikes, right? So they're, I don't know, uh, what, uh, 10 and 8 maybe, or 10 and 9, 8 and 7, something like that. And, and they're, they're up at the top of the hill, uh, the top of their, their driveway on their bikes, right? And um, their grandparents would be at the bottom, and they're watching for traffic on the main road because people would speed along there, uh, go pretty quick. And so they're watching. And so, so Beth, my sister-in-law, uh, said that her, her grandparent, Nanny and Papa, right? Uh, they, uh, they were down at the bottom and, and Beth said that they had uh, two balloons, a red balloon and a green balloon. 
And uh, they would watch for track. If they held up the red balloon, the girls at the top knew that they weren't going to go anywhere because it wasn't safe to go. And so they were just going to, they were just going to wait. They couldn't see uh, what, what was coming because of how everything was. And so, so they just watched the red balloon. And if the red balloon was up, they'd stay put and they're ready, right? I mean, I can just, I can picture it in my head. When that green balloon went up, boy, howdy, watch out, Right? I mean, that was point those, uh, the, your nose to the straight down and start pedaling and head down that, that hill. And, and there wasn't any pausing at the bottom. Oh, I wonder if somebody's got, no, you knew. The, the nanny and pawpaw said it was fine. So I'm going and they'd shoot across the street and out in the field over across the street. It was just a, it was, I mean, talk about really living, right? I mean, woo, right? Yes. And as Beth was telling that story, it just struck me. And we had a little conversation afterwards, but those girls had, had absolutely no doubt in what Nanny and Papa were telling them to do. They were not up there going, I wonder if they're lying to us. I bet there's really a truck coming, and they said green. Not, it didn't even enter their minds that they would doubt what, what they were, they couldn't see what was coming. All they could see from their vantage point, uh, they, all they could see was a red balloon or a green balloon, and they knew who was holding it, and they had absolute trust in who was guiding what they could do. Really living. (laughs) Are you really living spiritually? If not, it could be that you haven't fully surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, Have you yielded to him completely? Are you allowing him to control you? Are you trusting completely in his red balloons and, and green balloons and maybe a caution thrown in there? Are you completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit? And what would keep you from surrendering to the Holy Spirit? If the Spirit gives life, real, true, abundant life, we've got to let go of the things that we want to control and to allow him to control everything. That is how he empowers us to live abundantly. We live to love people to life. The only way we can do that is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. As we're filled, it's not that we, we get uh, filled a, a little bit and then more, it's that we turn control of our lives over to him. Now today, whether you are, um, you are living that abundant life or whether you're not quite sure, I think I wanna close with this, this little chorus. We won't even have the words up there because I didn't think ahead about it and we're not having any music up here because for the same reason. Um, the little chorus been around for, I don't know, 100 years. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Will you stand together? I wanna pray. Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Your spirit that is not, uh, not hindered by a physical time and space that you have been with us through this whole time of being apart, but now you are, uh, you are uh, with us in this unique situation of the, the body of Christ called back together. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit would have free reign in our heart. Lord, if there is something that we're holding back from you, help us to let go. If there's some way where, where we are controlling things and not allowing you to control things, pray that you'll help us to trust you completely, that, that, that you know what you're doing when you say go or stop, 
that you know what you're doing and we can trust you no matter what. Lord, the, 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 the church, the body of Christ, that we are, we are not going to do much without the empowerment of the Spirit, but with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives and in our body, there is nothing we cannot do. So, Father God, we give you control and we ask that you would fall fresh upon us today. Gracious God, as we we go from this place today, that is our prayer. As we get up each day, make that our prayer. Remind us that it's not up to us to live abundantly, but it's through your Holy Spirit who controls us. And so I pray that you would fall fresh on us, that you would anoint us, that you would empower us. And I pray that we can be life in the world where we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.